0: And it was the first time that I'd been given, like, full creative freedom on the menu. I think Jamie's only kind of direction uh, that he pushed me in was um, make sure there's some hamon involved. And I was like, sure. (laughs) I was like, yes, I can do that.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. talk about the ethos of supporting local growers, food miles and paddock to plate. But what does it take and what does it truly mean to do this approach to cookery and remain, com- and remain commercially viable too? Sav Sexton is the head chef of Good Gilbert in Adelaide, South Australia. Sav, how are you? I'm
0: good. How are you?
1: Good. You found yourself in uh, Adelaide, um, but you've been all over the place and grew up uh, in Brisbane. What's it like for you down there at the moment? Um, It's a little
0: grey and dreary, to be honest. Um, Definitely. I've um, just been here just over a year now, so it's taken a little while for me to acclimatise to the cold. Um, Growing up in... um, I grew up in a town called Toowoomba, which is about two and a half hours west of Brisbane. Um, And yeah, I was pretty shocked when I got down here in um, September last year to just like the iciest, but also driest winter I've ever experienced.
1: (laughs) um, You're working at uh, Good Gilbert as a head chef. Um, Tell us a bit about the venue and what sort of um, lured you to the role.
0: Yeah, so um, I'd finished up, uh, I'd kind of like hit a bit of a wall um, in Brisbane last year and I was feeling a little uninspired about like what my next step was and um, I've always been drawn to the idea of Adelaide um, because of the cheese making that kind of happens down here. I've always been like a bit of a I mean, always been into cheese and just kind of wanted to learn more and Adelaide's a really great place to do it. So, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was probably like mid-August last year. I kind of just sent a bunch of, um, I sent a couple of cold emails to some venues that um, I was just really admiring from afar, thanks to Instagram. Um, And Yeah, Good Gilbert was one of the, one of the emails that I sent away and, um, I got talking to Wilson, uh, who's the owner and, um, we hit it off, uh, we hit it off pretty much immediately. Um, and the timing seemed to kind of fit perfectly as their head chef at the time was leaving and, um, I was kind of like, Hey, (laughs) what are you guys doing? (laughs) And, um. Yeah, so I moved down um, in about – I packed up my life in Brisbane in about 12 days um, and came to Adelaide assuming that I was going to have to do like a 14-day hotel quarantine because it was still – it was kind of during that time when uh, Melbourne and Sydney were going through that like bad 2021 run um, so yeah, I packed up my whole life and, um, yeah, came down and started working at Gigi and yeah, I've been here ever since. So and had not looked back.
1: <laughs> What's it been like as a chef? You've worked all, all around the globe and, and we'll get into all of that shortly, but South Australia is known for its ma- amazing producers. What's it been like trying to tap into that?
0: I struggled a little bit when I first moved, um, just, Most of my professional life really has happened in Brisbane. So I had really great supplier relationships um, with everybody. And when I got down to Adelaide, um, it sort of was, I had to, I really had to like relearn just even just like the super simple things. I think the only like company that I was familiar with when I moved to Adelaide was like PFD. So um. Yeah, I went through, I hit like a pretty big learning curve when I moved down here trying to connect with people in hospitality and I didn't know too many chefs when I got down here as well. So um, yeah, I spent a bit of time trying to kind of meet as many people in hospitality as I could and uh, I was super lucky to be completely embraced by pretty much every chef that I met. Um, And a lot of them, like, pointed me in the right direction when I was searching for local growers and makers and, like, small, like, artisans and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I've been super lucky to learn from the others in the community. And, yeah, it's been awesome.
1: A career as a chef is one of the great global uh, careers that's transferable all over the um, the planet but is there is there a bit of a difference um, that you feel having grown uh, been in Brisbane for so much of your career um, working in Adelaide and the the industry there
0: Brisbane will always have a really special place in my heart yeah um, I originally moved because I went to high school in regional Queensland. Um, Brisbane, honestly, for the first initially was just the um, initially it was just for me to kind of get out of um, to get out of the country, to be perfectly honest, and um, kind of experience a big city. Uh, When I first moved, I really wanted to kind of start to learn um, a little more of the pastry side of kind of cookery. Um, there wasn't really anywhere where I was living at the time where I could learn properly. Um, so initially kind of just wanted to get out of the out of the country and into the city and learn some pastry stuff, but I was really lucky um, during my time in Brisbane to meet a lot of really inspiring and like special chefs who kind of pointed me in the right direction and took me on a bit of a journey to kind of grow a lot and meet a lot of other great Australian chefs and yeah I'm sure somehow that that kind of uh, helped my (laughs) push down to South Australia.
1: <laughs> Take us back to when you were young. You mentioned you grew up in Toowoomba. What was what sort of role did food play in your family growing up? Uh,
0: it was it was pretty big in our house. My um, I have South African heritage, so we were always kind of around the bry growing up. Um, my father is, uh, my father is a horticulturalist. Um, he worked as a like a park ranger in Gurawe National Park for a few years when I was growing up. Um, and since then he's kind of worked as an arborist and a landscaper. so the connection between growing and eating was never really like it was never really stretched in our house. There was always like a connection with the garden and where like what we ate and where it came from was never. It was just – it feels like it was really drummed into me from quite a young age. Like, it never felt, you know, too much of a – I never felt too much of a separation from, like, what we eat and how it grows. Um, but, yeah, my mum's always been a uh, bit of a lover of Donna Hay. Bless her. Um, and, um, like, I think our house has was littered with, like – Gourmet Travellers and Donna Hayes for pretty much as long as I can remember. So, yeah, food was always a pretty key part in our house. So, it made sense,
1: you know, just to keep
0: doing that.
1: <laughs> Tell us about your first steps uh, into the industry and the impact it had on you.
0: Um, my first ever kind of job um my so my dad went to high school with this excellent man named um, Matt Gilroy. Um, Matt travelled a bit when he was kind of like post school. Um, he married a beautiful Thai woman named Tiao and they moved back to Australia. I Had two bu- beautiful kids. Um, they grew up in Toowoomba with me, um, and they opened like a they opened a Thai restaurant. So I was probably, and it's probably super illegal, don't get anywhere no one get mad. I was probably 13 and a half realistically when I started working there. Um, but my first ever job was working in their Thai restaurant um, just as like a kitchen hand, you know, I was like scrambling eggs for fried rice and, um, you know, like just washing up and putting chicken on sticks for satay and that kind of stuff but that was sort of like my first little taste of the industry and um, yeah I started my apprenticeship when I was 15 like I think I was in grade it was right at the end of grade 10 so I did it while I was still in school but yeah honestly it started pretty young and I have Never considered doing anything else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Take us back to that time in the in the Thai restaurant. Was, was there access to ingredients that you hadn't seen before? Do you have any stories of that?
0: I was I was thinking about this last night. Actually, I have a really vivid memory of um, Matt showing me how to cut up like a box of capsicums in like a way with the least amount of wastage. And I, I I thought about it yesterday, probably for the first time ever, and I was like, that was probably like that was probably the beginning of like this whole <laughs> this whole thing. and just like, I remember there being a lot of mindfulness in the way that we prepared stuff, even back then. And I feel like that was that really trickled down into everything that I've done pretty much ever since. Um, I was super lucky. Um, to travel a lot when um, kind of as I was growing up. Um, I have uh, a little bit of family in Thailand, so I've been twice, which has been amazing. Um, And so I did get like a little taste of some of those unusual Thai ingredients, like tamarind, and I think tamarind's one that – always has stuck out for me because I love tamarind so much. It's so delicious. And you can buy these like amazing like tamarind lollies in like the Bangkok airport and just like on every corner in Bangkok. And they're just so sour and they've got, they're just so delicious. It's a very, that's a core food memory (laughs) for sure. Um, But yeah, it's, I was always intrigued by how, everything is grown in Thailand in somewhere that is like so insanely humid, uh, but also is like a really, I mean, it's mostly just like rice paddies and mountains and they have such like an interesting kind of cuisine and it's so focused on balancing the flavors, you know, it's, but yeah. And just the way that it's grown in such a unusual environment to us.
1: in those early years in Brisbane, what were the real sort of key venues and um, and mentors that helped shape your career?
0: Definitely Richard Oosby um, from Stokehouse. Uh, I spent a bit of time at Stokehouse, um, which unfortunately was a victim of uh, COVID closures and didn't quite make it after 2020. Um, I worked there for just under three years. And Richard, if I'm I feel like you've probably spoken to him before, but he is just the most wholesome chef (laughs) that I've ever met. Richie is insanely passionate about local farmers and growers and um, Richie was a really big – Richie was a key person in kind of forcing that sustainability ethos and like how we can – he was – yeah just how what can we do as people in the hospitality industry to take a step in the right direction and Richie was super passionate about supporting anyone and any like anyone and everyone that had a great food story or great growers we did lots of we went on lots of excursions and Yeah, we did a lot of amazing things at Stoke House. It was, yeah, I really value my time that I spent there. I learnt a lot.
1: You mentioned your love of cheese and you've really uh, immersed yourself in the world of cheese, being a a judge and and all sorts of things like that. Um, Tell us about that in your life and, and the experiences you've had.
0: Yeah, I guess I've always just enjoyed eating cheese and um again when I was at Stoke House um I worked on the pastry section there probably for a large chunk of my time and um a part of my role on pastry was curating the cheese selection um and probably for the first time in my life I'd been given an opportunity to kind of buy whatever cheese that <laughs> that um I wanted and that was so exciting <laughs> um so, yeah, um, I was able to kind of learn a lot more during my time, just being able to purchase, like, a lot of cheeses I hadn't seen before or heard of, um, so I was able to kind of grow that repertoire of stuff. Um, I was able to meet Russell Smith, who is uh, one of kind of the old dairy masters in Australia, um, who got me into the – Um, the judging for the ECA and um, I was invited to do the South Australian dairy judging this year um, for the first time which was super exciting as well Um, and yeah, I learnt a little more about the making and um, that kind of stuff this year when yeah, the Adelaide TAFE for some reason seems to be the only uh, (laughs) seems to be the only place in Australia maybe even the Southern hemisphere uh, that you can actually study like an accredited cheese making. Yeah. I don't know why it's just like the only place to do it. Um, So yeah, I, yeah, it's the only place to do like an accredited an accredited making course, um, which is, yeah, part of the, part of the draw that got me down to Adelaide. Um, But yeah, so I started that uh, the end of January this year. Um, so, yeah, for the first time, got to see the physical side and start doing some making and, yeah, really um, we learned some cheese science. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it really, I guess I had a baseline understanding of how it works, but being able to, like, feel the curd... And like, depending on what side, like what type of style of cheese you're making, like how different the curds feel, like the color of the way, how it changes, like just seeing that side of it, it was it was pretty, it was pretty special.
1: Tell us a bit about judging cheese. What, what do you look for, and and how do you approach um, the judging of it?
0: Uh, so it basically. Dep- all the kind of the dairies in the show that get like submitted towards the shows get uh, broken into categories uh, depending on like what the style of cheese is or if it's yogurt or um, feta or, you know, hard style cheeses or whatever. They all get broken into categories and um, you basically judge uh, depending on uh, taste, texture and presentation uh, everything gets marked out of 20 points. Um, you assume before you taste something, everything starts at 20 and you mark down for defects um, instead of, you know, starting at zero and <laughs> working up. Uh, this year for the Queensland show, I actually did, um, I actually got uh, forced, not forced, it was, I was, I was, got shifted into um ice cream gelato sorbet um for the yeah the queensland show is like one of the biggest uh like frozen shows in australia just queensland and new south wales i think uh this year for queensland we judged like just over like 220 uh entries in for the frozen show which was great um but, yeah, it was great doing the SA Dairy Awards this year as well and just to, like, see some small artisan producers and just some products that I hadn't seen before just because they're not, like, available outside of the state. So, but yeah, it was really good.
1: You mentioned that um, you learned how to make cheese and sort of dived into that world as well. Have you been experimenting?
0: Yeah, a little bit. Um, At the moment at Gigi, we've got uh, two of the cheeses that I made uh, when I was at cheese school. (laughs) Um, We're currently serving them on our cheese board, which is awesome. Um, So we've got a little cloth-bound cheddar, which is only only about four and a half months old. It's been um, in a maturing room, uh, just kind of ripening. And uh, we've also got a Stilton um style which is a blue which actually turned out I was pretty impressed honestly with how the um stilton turned out it was better than I expected so um but yeah definitely some more um experiments to come uh we're making a we're making our own butter at gg at the moment as well for the dining room so yeah there's lots of there's lots of (laughs) dairy things kind of happening around
1: what surprised you about the cheese making process?
0: How physical it was it's It's heavy, yeah <laughs> like obviously, kind of um, we were only doing about five hundred liters of milk at a time, um which sounds like a lot. Um, but in terms of cheese making, that's relatively that's really quite small. Um, but yeah, just like, when you're making cheddar and just the stirring required like you I feel like every cheesemaker in the earth is probably just like totally jacked just from like having to do the stirring and like cutting and stacking the curds and yeah there's a real like there's a real physical aspect to it that I like same thing I've probably kind of like understood on a really baseline level that that was, that, that was a thing, uh, but physically doing it, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs>
1: a real feature of your career has been that focus on uh, local and um, supporting the local sort of food industry. What's, what's that been like as a, as a head chef and, you know, remaining commercially viable and being able to cook the things that you want to cook? Is it, is it a challenge?
0: Definitely. I think um, for me, remaining commercially viable is one of the most important um, parts of the sustainability kind of focus is being able to still, I've um, post COVID, I think everybody, you know, everybody kind of was forced to have a like reconsider of, you know, where they're lives and careers were going especially in Hoswell. and I know a lot of the people took that opportunity to leave the industry um, for me it kind of made me realise that I wanted to work in a venue that I kind of wanted to hang out in instead of a venue that <laughs> instead of a venue that I thought was going to look good on my resume if that makes sense um, and post-COVID I've pretty much fully shifted from, um, the, the hatted world into small bar world, <laughs> which I love so much. Um, my first kind of foray into, um, small bars was at Alba in Brisbane. Um, cause yeah, I went, it was like during, yeah, it was still during lockdown. I went to get some takeaway and, um, Jamie, who's, the owner operator there, uh, and I got talking, and he was like, "Hey, we're actually kind of looking for a chef," and I was like, "Hey, I'm unemployed." So, <laughs> and um, but yeah, when I like went in to pick up the takeaway, I was like, "Yeah, this kind of feels like I'm hanging out in my living room, and I love that so much." Um, and I really felt that when that kind of clicked in my brain that doing something love over money is way more important. <laughs> and um, I really felt my food style kind of emerged during that time because I was a little less concerned about what everybody thought of me. And all I wanted to do was kind of just make food that felt like I was serving it to my friends in my living room. <laughs>
1: Let's talk about your food a little bit. Um, give us an example or two of that transition and, and- and your cooking style now?
0: I think when I started at Alba, I definitely didn't take myself quite so seriously. (laughs) And with that came a bit of freedom for me. And it was, Alba was my first, um, my first head chef gig really. Um, And it was the first time that I'd been given like full creative freedom The menu. I think Jamie's only kind of direction uh, that he pushed me in was um, make sure there's some hamon involved. And I was like, sure. (laughs) I was like, yeah, sure, I can do that. So I kind of started thinking a little bit more about the food that I ate growing up and stuff that kind of. I'm a big believer that a lot of the food that we eat when we're younger create those like food memories <laughs> and a lot of stuff that we really enjoy eating as adults is stuff that has some like nostalgic tie and I pretty much took that and just ran with it <laughs> um, so a lot of the kind of food I'd say I've been creating over the last uh, two years is, is stuff that's super familiar to pretty much everybody. Um there's lots of riffs on classics like I think um one of like the biggest sellers probably <laughs> at Alba um was like the roast chicken with like black garlic bread sauce. Like I mean that was, you know, it's simple, it's homely, it makes you feel good after you eat it and it's super familiar food. Uh, at GG, like recently in the last year, you know we've been doing everything from sausage rolls, um, to we've got a miso viennetta on the on the menu at the moment. But it's the same thing. It's that kind of like reading the menu and just understanding what everything is, and just being able to execute it for us as chefs in a way that's you probably couldn't pull off at home, but. You read the menu, going, "Oh yeah, I know, th- I know the Viennetta. Yeah, I you know, like, I understand what this is about to be." And being able to kind of take a little bit of that guesswork out of food and just have people enjoy.
1: One thing I've noticed as well is that you you often have an off menu dish. Tell us a bit about that and some of the dishes that you've created.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, some of the off menus are just like really silly. Um, <laughs> And, um, uh, since we, so Gigi just opened, um, we just opened our new dining room extension, which is really exciting. Uh, so we've collected another like 30 seats, which is super great. And, um, during that renovation, we were able to put in a new kitchen, which is amazing. And with that new kitchen, I was able to hire some new chefs, super cuz i've just been like rocking it out for the last like 11 months by myself <laughs> um, in in this tiny this tiny room that we put some benches and like a tiny deep fryer in and that was the kitchen that we, um that we were working in before uh so um my two chefs and i we were having a chat about burrata um the other week and Ange, who's like an absolute legend, just mentioned burrata and like ramen packet seasoning at like together. And I was like, okay, I'm into that. Yeah. (laughs) And um, it was probably like a week of us discussing this like burrata and ramen packet, (laughs) kind of (laughs) like how that was going to look. Um, and then, yeah, one Sunday I was at the bakery and I just collected a loaf of like the softest, whitest bread that they had. Um, and yeah, we just, I was, Ramon and I were working just next to each other and I was like, what about like a tomato burrata sandwich? And we just like empty a packet of like shin ramyun like <laughs> shin ramyun like just on top of it and we tried it and it was delicious and we still had like three quarters of a loaf of bread left and there were five burritas in the fridge and we were like well well may as well just sell it <laughs> like it's really yummy <laughs> but yeah and yeah I think the first off menu that we did at Gigi was um the omelette I'm a big breakfast for dinner kind of person uh, um and um gg we were kind of uh, at the time i think we were only operating um we weren't doing lunches we were just doing like the 4 p.m till like late kind of hours and we sometimes we would collect like a little bit of a late lunch crowd and i think yeah one day i just like made an omelette for um one of our – I think for uh, one of our um, beer reps, actually, um, who was just like a bit hungry, and I would usually make him like a pickle sandwich, and I didn't have bread or something that day, and I was like, oh, it's okay, I'll make you an omelette. And, yeah, it just kind of – you know, we were just making omelettes for a while there. <laughs> Yeah.
1: You, you mentioned that you were blocking out in the kitchen – on your own for a long period of time, and now you've been able to assemble a team. What's it been like sort of creating um, your voice on the plate and really loving that and then having to sort of the head chef role and looking after a team?
0: Um, I was – a blessing and a curse of being in Adelaide is that I didn't really know any chefs. Um, So when uh, Wilson and Izzy and I were discussing – like what the kitchen team was going to look like and you know like how many people and you know what the what that was going to look like for us um we pretty much sort of had to start from from like ground zero with hiring um like we'd known a few chefs but a lot of them were kind of doing their own thing and um so yeah we just did the good old fashioned put it up on um, like the Facebook Adelaide hospitality page um, and kind of just hoped for the best. Um, but the two people we did end up hiring um, were actually not through that channel at all. Uh, one, of, one of them, uh, Ramon, who um, has joined us from Mothervine, um, he was kind of just like a fan and had like, was like following us through Instagram. And um, one of the Mother Vine managers had like mentioned that we were, you know, expanding. And so, you know, one thing led to another as it does. And um, Ramon came in and yeah, we had a chat and he uh, came on board and um Ange, who is up from the scenic hotel um believe it or not also has spent some time in brisbane <laughs> and um yeah same thing was kind of looking for another sea change and for a next step and yeah so they have both come on board which has been really awesome um We've after kind of feeling the full effect of the new dining room, we're kind of thinking that we're gonna need another prep support person <laughs> to kinda of give us a bit of bit of a bit of a push, um, just heading into summer and stuff. But yeah, it's been interesting to grow a team out of a hospital community that we, like, didn't really know anyone. I guess in Brisbane, if I needed a chef, I would just, like, message – like, I'd just know someone. (laughs) But, yeah, no, it was good, though. It's been good.
1: You uplifted your whole life and moved to Adelaide from Brisbane. Um, What sort of impact has that had on you, and, and what are you loving about what you're doing?
0: It was pretty intense when I first got down here. Um, You know, just everyone in Australia is going through a housing crisis, um, which I felt in full effect when I first got here. Um, So I was actually sleeping on my boss's, like in my boss's spare room um, (laughs) for the first five weeks I was here. Uh, But since relocating, I've been able to find a really beautiful home. Um, My cat. Uh, who was staying with my parents uh, for the first uh, three months I was here has come and joined me. bless his little heart. Um, but yeah it's been it was honestly it probably took me about 10 months to like fully acclimatize um, and kind of get into the get into the Adelaide vibe but um, it really is like a it really is a special place to come and see like it's like nowhere like nowhere else in Australia really it's really quite unique in terms of everything is basically a 20 minute drive away (laughs) you know there's uh, wine regions just down the road the beaches here the hills you know everything is close enough but far enough you know
1: (laughs) Well, Sav, congratulations on um, what you're creating there in Adelaide. We've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Um, please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon.
0: Will do. Thank you.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who play their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen follow us on Instagram at deepintheweedspodcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au Stay safe and be well.